0: Praise the Lord. Am I too quiet? No? Turn it up just a little bit? Okay. I always try to turn it down because I don't want to blow you guys out, and I'm not in a, I'm not in a standard mic that I can pull out of. Is that better? So, okay, that's better. Um, and so I, I don't want to blow everybody's eardrums out because I can't back out of this mic. It, it is what it is. Amen. Um, open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I got a verse. I want to... Pastor quoted it a few weeks ago, but... Um, I've thought about this a lot. I am one, and I'm going to try to be concise. I actually wrote, typed this out multiple times in the last few days with uh, several different things that the Lord had put on my heart, but I'm trying to be concise because we can go down so many trails, and I don't figure I'm going to probably just be sharing this with you guys one time and then we never talk about it again. So I figure maybe we'll hit some of those trails other times, trying to be concise. But I'm one who thinks in some sense on one side that maybe, maybe we, we have to be careful that we don't become too pragmatic and too practical in this body because we've seen so much craziness that we feel like that we can do this without the Spirit of God. Now we don't need his spirit. We're just we just live the um, maybe for lack of better terms the you know the good old Baptist way where you just real fundamental. When we come in and we do church, we don't allow emotion to interfere in our in our being at all. When it comes to God, we don't lift our hands, we don't worship because we don't need to do any of that. And I think we can err really quickly that direction. Everybody say Amen. So I want to encourage you to to challenge your heart in that way. If you're unemotional in everything, like I say, i give you an excuse. And maybe, you can, maybe you can be the one who does not have to worship. But if you're not that way, if you are emotional about anything in life, then I think we should be more emotional about the Lord. Amen. But then there's the other side of this. And this, I think, ties into this type of message and what I'm trying to share with you. The other side of this is that all you want is Holy Ghost. And that's how I grew up. That's the environment that Dad grew up in. We don't want to teach. Teaching is considered maybe something you do in Sunday school because you don't want to teach because if you teach, then you, you know, you quench the spirit. And um, so you got these who, you know, I'm going to share some things tonight and did last week. And then as we go forward, I'm going to share some things that you can mark off as just my opinion. And some of them clearly are my opinion. Some people would say, well, um, if I, they use the scripture, you need, no man teach you, but the Holy Spirit will teach you all things. Anybody ever heard that scripture before? That's a really good one amongst Pentecostals. But what I've discovered about people who would think that, who would think they don't need a teacher, is they don't listen to the Holy Spirit either, because the Holy Spirit would tell them to listen to the teacher. So if tonight you got, well, you know, I don't feel that way, Pastor Rodney. I'm exempt from that. I don't, I don't agree with you. you You're wrong. You're wrong. Not because you don't agree with me, because your attitude's wrong concerning the matter. So I intend to offend no one, but there are some things that I want. I'm trying to proposition you to make you think about some things in a different way. That's what I'm trying to do. I am trying to provoke thought in your life. All of you, with the exception of Cutter, um, and I don't see anybody else have been here with us, Dara's newer, but all of you have been with us most of your life. We've preached to you a hundred thousand times. I don't know. It's okay for you to hear something different and have to think about it a little bit. Amen? So everybody who's not going to be offended tonight, just give me a good amen. amen. That's good. Um, so uh, I want to I pick this scripture out here. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, and be strong. Watch you, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, and be strong. Lord, I pray that you would help me to deliver what I believe is vital to this moment in this body. I don't perceive that probably anybody outside of this body would hear this or even care. But to us, God, I believe you have spoken this. There's something that you want to teach us. And I pray that you would be the teacher tonight. I can't teach. I can't instruct. But your spirit does, Lord. And we ask you, we beckon you, Lord. We ask you that you would penetrate the callousness of our hearts. The things that we have held on to and believe that we're right in. Lord, that you would challenge us and cause change within us to your glory and for your purpose, Jesus. And we'll give you praise. And everybody say amen. Is there a standard... That is expected of men and women individually by God. I told you a couple weeks ago when I spoke, I feel like there's a real push in society, and we can all see this, to become autonomous. Meaning that we are uh, androgynous. There's just humanity, and, and there are no gender roles. We are seeing this all over. I, I mean, I just saw, again, another... I don't, was it Adidas? I think it was Adidas now. Put... Um, uh, to model their, their women's swimwear. They put a man on the cover to, or on the, on the ad. Um, all of this is to denigrate the roles that God has given. The, the primary issue I had originally with BLM was not only that it's ridiculous that it's a bunch of race baiters, but beyond that is the mission of them was stated clearly. And that was not about race. It was to destroy the Western nuclear family. That means this. That's what that means. Because our Western nuclear family was built upon the scripture. It doesn't mean that all of our founding fathers were perfect men or not all of them were godly men. But the structure of our home, the structure of our society, the way we did things uh, was built upon the scripture. And so there is such an effort to destroy that And I I think we have this challenge of do we sit back, and I'm going to probably say this every time I speak for the next few weeks. Do we sit back and say, you know, everything turned out pretty good, and we just expect the next generation to turn out pretty good too? Or do we realize, and I was thinking about this, look at the lack of elder men in this body. Think about that. Our elders my grandpa my dad charlie and leonard would be considered elders in this body look at the lack of elder women you're going to see that same thing and i believe that this something that we've talked about and all of us guys have, have said over the last few weeks but this phrase kept, keeps coming up i've heard it a million times i don't want my kids to have to go through what i went through So the answer is you send them off to college so that they can be better people than what you are. I think we all have to look introspectively and say, listen, is my life so bad that I don't want my children to have it? If it is, we have focused on the wrong things. There should be nothing you want more for your children than that they would know the Lord in the way you do or greater. And if knowing Him greater means they have less, then pray they have less. Number one agenda, number one purpose. Does how we function in our daily lives matter to God? Does it even have any impact? Does it matter at all? Or can we just do what we've always done, excuse what we don't want to change, and expect that it's all going wa- to turn out in the wash, all going to come out good. And I'm proposing, and I feel like the reason why the Lord is really... Uh, you all know that for a long time I did the uh, Manly Mondays, and, and we're trying to get that kind of going again with maybe sometimes on Saturdays, and it can't be called Manly Saturday because that wouldn't work. But anyway, um, there's been a heart, and that's why I coached. That's why I ran the youth wrestling program, tried to start that. I am just realized in general that there's a lack of masculinity, of just manliness, just in general. But then when we look at the spiritual side of things, we cannot expect that our young men are going to naturally step up into the role of us. And in fact, if you look at the scripture, tell me how often it is that mighty men of God were followed by their sons who were mighty men of God. Almost... Never. Why? Because what Dustin said the other night, our affluence. Heather and we were talking last night to the kids and we were just saying how that all of us grew up really poor. And all of you people our age could probably say the same thing. We all had really nothing. And now we look and we have, none of us are rich, but our children have had much more than what we had. How many would agree? much more than what we have. And the problem is, while I I do not want my children to suffer, I understand that the suffering of my life shaped who I am. And if I prevent them from going through what I've gone through, or if I prevent them from seeing me triumph when things have gone difficult in my life, then I prevent them from the purpose of God happening in them. So I really believe that God has a purpose for us. Amen? Secular humanity has long tried to discover man's purpose by finding out what we are made of. And this is one of the things I had written out and it was going to take a whole page and I don't want to cover that. Um, but, but basically, what is the fiber of our being? What makes us up called molecular biology? And, and I've been looking into this and I shared the other night with some of the guys and dad and just some things that are amazing that I see. But you know, they're, they're broken down our DNA now to letters and within those 23 strands of chromosomes, those pairs of chromosomes, there are like 3 billion letters that write out your genetic code. I mean, I don't even know how you can get there. And they will discover, should they continue to look, further depths that, that make those things up because it's, there is no end. It's almost like the universe. There is no end to it. The structure with which God made us has no end. And my point in saying this is, people are trying to find out their you know their purpose by trying to understand what they're made of their argument over gender fluidity that's going on right now really boils down to this thing of it's not just my chromosomes that that determine what gender i am that's what we're hearing all the time but what i want to propose to you which you already know but i want to remind you of is that we cannot understand our purpose We cannot understand God's design for us by looking at what we are made up of, which is carbon. It's dirt. You hear that nasty word, carbon? It's not nasty. It is the fiber of our being. But we can't understand our purpose by understanding what we're made of. We can only understand our purpose when we think of what we are made for. What are we made for? God made men and women four different things. If you don't believe that, then you do believe that your gender can be changed. And this is why I think the church has failed when we stopped talking about the roles of men and women. Because if you don't believe that you as a man and you as a woman were made for different things then you are denying the very makeup of how God designed you. I'm going to hit on this later, but I want, to, I want to cover something quickly because I want you women to be thinking about this. I do not believe that a woman's place is in the home. But I believe that her priority is the home. That's how God made you. It's what God intended for you. So when you're thinking about working, and I know some of you may have been thinking about that, it is not wrong for women to work. But your priority, what is it that you were made for? Not what are you made of. What are you made for? Well, I, I, don't, I don't want to have children because it would affect my, um, my business career. That's not what you're made for. You and not, not, all, not all women can have children, and so that's, that's you know, a different story. But the primary purpose, women were to be child bearers. Men are not. We're not made for that, but men are made to be fruitful and to multiply upon the earth. And it comes together. This is what marriage is about. This is how God designed it. And I will tell you that God is pleased by every child that is born. And this is why the devil tries to kill every baby in the womb. Because it's part of the design. It's not the whole of the design, but are there roles? We cannot understand all that God has for us by understanding what we're of. But when we begin to look at what we are made for, it's much different. What is standing out to me? Is that the American church has failed at this one vitally important role of teaching our children, both boys and girls, what we were made for? A better life, corporate success, financial security, getting paid what you're worth, financial stewardship. These are the topics that dominate the teaching of church. Am I right or wrong? But if you know all of those things, and do not know what you were made for, what you were designed to do as a young man and a young woman, you miss the mark completely. By understanding the specific roles and purposes for godly men and women, we are going to fulfill that purpose with which God says to his Disciples go and make disciples of all nations. And we are all on board with that. But somehow, we have forgotten to make disciples of our homes. It starts with the home. It starts with your children. It starts not with just bringing them to church. One of the things I butted heads against so often when I youth pastored, which seems like an eternity ago, and it was like eight years. But I butted heads with with Christian People who wanted to drop off their children to me to get them thinking right about how they should be and how they should live and what God wanted for their life. But then at home, the families were not duplicating that. They were not replicating that. Do you know when I would preach and and try to tell our young ones, listen, God has not designed you to go out and fornicate, He hasn't designed you to watch a bunch of filthy movies and, and go to the dances and parties and all that stuff. Do you know the people who gave me the most grief? It wasn't the worldly parents. I never got a call from them. It was the Christian parents who would immediately have their hackles up and, and raise up and and, and begin to, to assault me. Who do you think you are? Why do you think you can tell us how to live? And some of those same people have now joined groups that are telling them everything they can do. It's funny. Funny how that works. But our problem is that we... Our duty is not to come to church and expect our ministry to replace the, the the teaching and the direction that we should be giving at home. Something that I thank Chris for many times through the years is that, that he was the sounding, he rebounded, he reflected the same values that I had taught. I don't have to know what Chris thought, but at least he was uh, Re-establishing what I thought in my children. That's the purpose of ministry. The purpose is never that you supplement your duty by putting it off on me. It's not my job to be the husband of your home. It's not mom or Carrie's job to be the wife in your home. It's not my job to raise your children. It's your job. You can fail that job real quick. Part of that, I mean, one of the worst things you can do... Ever, is to discourage the, the instruction of the leadership of the church. It's one of the worst things you can do. Plant in your children that, that they need no outside source or no outside influence. It's detrimental to them. But your role as father, mother, son, daughter, husband, wife, brother, or sister, these things are specifically addressed by the apostles and specifically addressed by the Lord himself. Do you believe that? Every one of those roles is spoken of by the apostles and by the Lord. Was it important? Because we don't think it's important. What we want to do is get everybody in church. And and if you're on the Pentecostal side of things, you want to get Holy Ghost revival going. If you're on the Baptist side of things, you want to come in and talk about grace. But nobody wants to talk about our roles. And if the Lord addressed it and the apostles went on to address it, Paul spent much of his writing trying to help us understand how husbands and wives are supposed to interact. Why? If it's not important. Trying to help us understand what the role of a father is in the home. What the role of a mother is in a home. Why? If it's not important. Because it is vital. That's why Jesus did the same thing. I'm going to steal a line from a man who I appreciate his thought. I don't agree with everything he says. But I love that he's willing to say it. And that's Doug Wilson. And I don't know if you've ever... I've I've read some stuff in the past. I've watched some things he does through the years. But he has this line that stuck out to me. And it's even set me to thinking more. Concerning the issue of God's design for men. And it is this. If the boys don't learn, the men won't know. If the boys don't learn, then the men won't know. We are living in a time when men haven't been teaching the boys, or women, the girls, which means that the boys as men won't know. And now they start teaching their sons, and their sons don't know. And then there arises a generation that does not know the Lord. You cannot, and I know you all believe this, but let me reemphasize it. You cannot substitute Holy Ghost experience revival for your practical daily living. You cannot. That's what I grew up in. This effort, what do we do? We get to the altar. It's all going to be cured at the altar. No, it's not. The Spirit of the Lord can touch you here. I love when the Spirit of the Lord moves in my heart, and I love that touch when I can feel His presence so strong and tears begin to come out of my eyes. I I appreciate that. But that doesn't fix my tomorrow. That may encourage and help, give me life and joy, but it doesn't fix that tomorrow I've got to walk this out. And while I have His Spirit available... If I'm expecting His Spirit to make me do the things I refuse to do, I'm expecting something in error. It will not, it will not supplement. We cannot do enough of the Holy Ghost to get out of the daily living and what that looks like. We also can't dress enough of the right way, hobby horse, but we cannot dress enough of the right way that it overcomes the errors of our hearts. You can't cure... This issue, which is practical daily living as a man, woman, child, husband, wife, brother, sister, coworker, worker um, son, daughter. You cannot supplement anything that replaces that relationship. And you can be 100% wrong with God based upon this relationship that is the, that is the natural earthly relationship. And it will prevent you from being right with God in the spiritual relationship. Let's give you an extreme example. Can you as a husband beat your wife and be right with God? What if you had Holy Ghost service Sunday night? What if you had Holy Ghost service and revival every night of the week? Because I know a man who did that. And he's speaking in tongues and he's running around the church and I mean he's he's all on fire. Why can't he be right with God? Because he's not managing his household in the way that God instructs him to. So this I'm not, I can't even judge his intention. Clearly it wasn't in my opinion right, but that's my opinion. I cannot judge his intention, but I can look at his actions and say he's not right with God. Point taken. Amen? In healthier times, fathers would instruct their children. In healthier times, fathers would look at, at their sons and would want them to be like them. In healthier times. Fathers would want to see their sons take on the family business. That's whatever it was. Whether it was plowing a field or whether they were running cows um, or whether they um, ran a, a market in the, in the streets. They, ex- you know, they, that was, they hoped that their sons would come and they would take them on. They could work together and they would hand it off. That's what society has always been about. And now, we don't have healthy times. We have very unhealthy times Mothers would instruct their children on what the primary purpose and function is. But now, far too many Christians are consumed with entertainment themselves or with discontentment and bitterness because they don't have what they want. And the Lord has put in my heart that we've got to be intentional about speaking and seeking out the truth of God's design and roles for men and women. And you're going to have to get over yourself to do this. That's just frankly. Why don't you just look at your neighbor so you're going to have to get over yourself. You're going to have to get over yourself. It just isn't going to work. There's no way that God is going to be able to speak to your heart if you cannot get over yourself. And I love the line, which we have all heard, opinions are like belly buttons, everybody's got one, and I don't want to see yours. It's just a good rule for clothing, by the way, too. The traits that are associated with manliness now, I want to cover a couple of things tonight and I cannot cover too much, but are given by God. They are spelled out by God. Stand firm, be strong, act like a man. But we must understand what a man is by God's design if we're going to fulfill the purpose of God. We certainly cannot allow current culture to define what a man is and then say, well, okay, I'm going to act like a man. Because with that, you're going to get a lot of fairy acting, metrosexual looking weirdos. That's not it. What is God's biblical de- definition? What did he design man for? Not what does man become? What did he design man for? So I want you to look at the book of Genesis, first chapter. We got to pick this out just, just to help us set the course then of what God designed us for. I believe it's the 26th verse. I think this is really important. I'm going to present something to you in in a little different way than even, I've been reading some, but something that the Lord kind of put in my heart, and I'm going to present something to you a little different way. And I want you to think about this. Open your mind right now. Don't read these two verses that we're going to read here and just automatically assume that you know what's going on here. But think about this. And God said, verse 26, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over the creepy, or every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. Verse 27, and so God created man in his own image, and the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. That just fully, concisely defined gender. That's it. I I don't understand, and I'm not trying to rabbit trail here, but I literally don't understand how any, any Christian could have any question about gender. That's it. Male, female, he, she, and them. That's the only pronouns it. Verse 28. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God's intention pre-creation of man was that man would live as He, a duplicate of what God was going to do. God rules and reigns. He has dominion over everything. And he said, I'm going to create man in this image. The one that we know is coming, it's about Jesus. In this image. So he designs man. So within your very structure, your makeup, God has created us to have and operate within these roles of of subduing, dominating, multiplying, and stewardship. This is how God designed you. If you think that that's not your role because you don't, that's, that's just not what you enjoy. If we're looking at our roles by what we prefer, again, we're going to have to get out of culture because culture now has not taught men to work. Culture now has taught us to sit around and play video games, to watch TV, to constantly look for the next vacation and entertainment package that we can find. It's all about ease. But God did not design us that way. So you cannot... You, your preferences do not matter in this, is my point. Say, well, I'm just not that way. No, you are that way. It's designed within you. This is how God made you. Then he goes on after he designs man. He then speaks. The first words he speaks to man is what? Be fruitful, multiply, have dominion, subdue the earth and all the creatures thereof. This is what I made you for. So is there any man that is exempt from that? What if you're just born real, 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 real soft? Are you exempt? No. So you need to be instructed then. We need to be instructing then our young ones in this. So Pastor Rodney, and I mentioned this before, but listen, that was before the fall. So this is the perfect world. This is where, you know, there's no sin and, and, uh, and this is before all of that. So, so God, that was what he wanted Adam to do. But when Adam fell, then now we don't have to do that. No, no, no. Because he comes to Noah um, and he floods the earth, destroys it because of wickedness, uh, all the people. And then he says to Noah, the exact same things he says to Adam, he reemphasizes in Noah post-fall. You need to subdue. The fish of the sea are yours. The trees, the fields, the mountains. Subdue, conquer, dominion. We, we don't understand dominion, but I want you just to think of it in terms of dominate. The earth was made for man. Man was not made for the earth. And so, tree hugging is not the purpose of God. Yes, we are to tend. Yes, we are to be good stewards of what God has given under our dominion and rule. But tree-hugging is not akin to godliness. Refusing to use coal. God made coal. In this, I think it's also interesting... He says, listen, you're to have dominion over all of the seeds of the field, meaning you can't use anything that is going to intoxicate you or take dominion over you. You've always got to exercise so you can't put a bunch of hops in a barrel and drink that and it begins to control your mind. You're not dominating You no longer have dominion over the earth. You can't take the grass and roll it up in a joint and smoke it because now it's dominating you. You were created to rule. I know it it, kind of hits us weird because that makes us feel like, man, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't really... Anybody feel that way? You men kind of like, man, I don't know. That just seems like it's a strong... Saying, but this is how God sees us. So when we walk around as a bunch of weak, a bunch of shallow, a bunch of soft men, not assuming our role, does God look at us and say, Ben, I am so pleased by that dude. I think God looks at us and he is waiting. Think of that verse. All creation groans, waiting... For what you men know, for the manifestation of the sons of God, how are they going to manifest well they 're going to sit around and wear really soft things and, and uh, hug each other and do holy ghost huddle piles where they lay all each, over each other on the floor. I just saw the video again the other day, and it was one i hadn 't seen of the of the Bethel fire tunnel, and literally The guy's coming through there and this other guy, I won't even duplicate it, it's so disgusting, starts doing nasty little hip thrusting thing, jumps on him, starts sucking his neck and they fall to the floor. Oh, God is so pleased by this. God's vomiting by this. When is God pleased then? If you were designed to rule, not again, I know we got to go to the spiritual side, but I'm just talking about the fleshly we got to get our fleshly side in order if we're going to work in the spiritual side. If God made you to rule, if God made you to dominate, if God made you to subdue, if he made you and said the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take hold of it, if that's true, then we better be sure that we are teaching our young ones to grow up to be violent men. If the kingdom of God is made up by, by forceful men, then we better be teaching our young ones to be forceful men. If the kingdom of heaven is made up by submissive women, oh, well, everybody shouting now, then we better make sure that we are raising our young women up to be submissive. If this is what the kingdom of heaven is made up of, If it's not, then we need to throw the Bible away because it clearly says it is. Some things we need to think about. God's first commandment, God's first words, dominate, multiply, be fruitful, fill the earth and subdue it. I have to believe that God is spelling out for us what he intended for us. I think that this is the description when we then look at first corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13 quit yourself like men don't you think this would be a reference to how god designed us to be then i didn't get enough amens right there quit yourself like men means stand up and take your role i mean start doing what god made you to do i don't care if you haven't done it i don't care if it's been a long time since you've done it This is what God made us to do. We're going to get a lot of opportunity, for example, just in the building, working on this church. We have a lot of opportunity. And some of this just literally is acting out what God wants us to do. He wants us to have dominion. I believe that, and I'm going to steal not really his thoughts, but a, a, a term that, again, Doug Wilson had, has used in a book that I've been reading. Um, but I believe, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sum up, because I, I would rather do it this way. Uh, what I believe these three characteristics or roles of men, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to call them three. And that would be lords, learners, and light bearers. Like these are the three functions that I can see that I believe that God has made us to operate in. So tonight... We're just going to look at the one, lords. You all ready for this? God has made you men to be lords. Scripture says that he is the king of kings. And he is the lord of lords. God has made you, and I know y'all are getting really antsy now. All the women, the women are really looking at me here. (laughs) This word Lord implies a certain domain, it implies a dominion, does it not? And all you people who like uh, the medieval times, what did they call them back in that day? lords and ladies but what did it mean to be a lord even in that term we can look at it in that term the peasant was not a lord because he had nothing that was his the peasant just went through life he just Went out to the field because he was an indentured servant. He was a slave to all the uh, to whoever had the property. He really owned nothing. He had enough to live, and that was it. Just enough to eat, barely. But the Lord is the one who employed the peasants. He had a territory, an area, in which he had a rule and a domain. But then over him were other governors and lords. Now, think, just fast forward, and I just want to use that analogy really quickly. We got a lot of people, a lot of men working through life right now who are operating as peasants. They have no dominion. They do not live in the structure in which God designed them to live in, and all they're doing is putting money in pockets with holes in them. God did not design you for that. Why do you seek to go by Things that aren't bread, the scripture says. Why why do you labor for that which does not satisfy? But our very function, our purpose, is that we are to be lords. So let me give you a couple of places that the Lord expects you to be lord in. The earth. Everybody say the earth. The world and all that dwells therein. Is the Lord's. So everybody say amen. amen? But the world and all that dwells therein was given into the dominion of who? Y'all know, I just told you, of man. You are to be a Lord in the earth. Now, we're not talking about fighting and land wars. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about a realm and a dominion in which God placed you to govern. Is this so hard for us to understand? We see this exact principle. Jesus talks about it multiple times where he says there was a a master, a king. He uses different analogies that had servants that he had placed in charge of things, that he gave them talents, and that he expected return on that investment. I want you to think about it. God made you... To be a Lord. He made you to be a Lord. A Lord in this earth. God left all that he created in the hands of man to cultivate, to nurture, to multiply, and to subdue. You were made to have dominion over the earth. Now that sounds all good, but I want to look at First Thessalonians. Because this will wake you up just a little bit. The scripture says that we have this treasure that we have been given by God and it is hidden in earthen vessels. Everybody say earthen. Earthen. Do you not know that you were made of the earth and that you will return to earth? Now 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and verse 4, that every one of you should know how to possess His vessel in sanctification and honor. When we talk about the earth, we need to talk about the earthen vessel. Because way, way, way before God puts us in charge of anything big, God's going to put us and make sure that we're faithful in the little, which is what we really are. We are earthen vessels and God has has commanded for you that you take dominion over this earth. Subdue it. Conquer it. Dominate it. This is how God designed you to be. If we really want to function in the dominion that God expects, we must talk about possessing your earthen vessel in sanctification and honor. we have to get dominion over our appetites we have to that's a good spot to say amen of course this means control over your sexual desires you can never function As God intended you to function if you cannot dominate this earthen vessel that wants to dominate you. I thought this is a beautiful analogy because when Adam falls, God says, Now, you're still going to work the earth. You're still going to have to subdue the earth. But now because of your sin, thorns and thistles are going to run your life. They're going to try to creep up and take over this earth so that it's not fruitful to the purpose that I made it for. And then I begin to think about my life and all of the things that are trying to creep up inside of me that are thorns and weeds and roots of bitterness that are trying to creep up inside of me and take possession of the earth that God told me to dominate. Well, it'll be easy. It's easy to pull weeds. Well, it's also easy to keep snakes out of a garden when that's your job. But Adam failed. It's easy to pull weeds, but you neglect one day. I figured this out real quick with the garden. You neglect one day, and, and you're like, whoa. I mean, I had about an hour's worth of weeds to pull. I neglect one day, now I got about 10 hours of weeds to pull. But God expects that we're to dominate. But not just sexual nature. Not just that desire and that appetite. But also greed, power, and wealth. And something I'm going to leave you all to deal with. Again, I'm I'm not trying to throw stones. I'm just telling you what the Lord's been challenging me with. Something we need to think about. Belly gods and gluttony. Does the scripture talk about gluttony? I need everybody to give me a yes or a no on that. Yes, it does. It does. So, is that then something that now because we live in such an affluent society, because we have so much uh, available sugar and cake and i love all of those things is that mean that we can ignore what god says about gluttony and belly gods i'm just going to throw it at you to think about not again not casting stones you know we all can gain weight and lose weight that's not really what i'm talking about anyway but when we think about dominion dominating subduing appetite i think it's something we need to consider Anybody who's not mad can say amen. A man who has the rule of his own vessel is a man who, as my dad has always said to me, eats to live and does not live to eat. It's a man who has control of his vessel. Again, we have so much ability, so much offered to us. But this is also why, as I mentioned before, that we must be sober at all times. You cannot govern and protect what God has placed in our hands if you allow yourself to be intoxicated or taken over by alcohol or drugs. Sobriety is part of dominion. Second place, God wants you to to dominate, to have dominion in the earth. But really, we need to start here. But the second place that God wants you to have dominion, you're going to love this one, is your house. God expects you, as men, and all the women need to listen up close. It's not Pastor Rodney. You don't even have to call me Pastor. This isn't Rodney. This is what the Lord expects and what the Lord wants. So everybody who's ready for this, say amen. I'm not sorry to destroy the feminist movement today. I'm not sorry. There are roles within the home, and a man's role is the head of the home. Period. As a old acquaintance of ours used to say, "Period point blank, that's it, no negotiation." His family is his dominion; it's his place of rule. I want you to look at First Timothy, chapter three, and verse one. This is a true saying: If a man desire the office of a bishop, He desireth a good work, but a bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife. Vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine. That means having nothing to do with it. That's what it means. No striker, not greedy, of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous. One that ruleth well his own house. Having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man knoweth not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Do you think that that word rule could we safely insert dominion there? It absolutely is what we're talking about to rule, to govern. Not to dominate in the sense of of demands, but to have dominion in the sense of care. You may think that you're exempt from this, and many do, because we say, well, I don't want to be a leader. I don't want to be an overseer. So because I don't want to be an overseer, these things don't apply to me. Anybody ever heard that? I've heard this used a lot of times concerning um, sobriety. Um, But then... If that's an excuse for sobriety, then if I don't want to be an overseer, I also can have an affair. I also can beat my wife. Um, I also can be a brawler and I can be covetous. I just as long as I don't want to be, you know, an overseer, then all of these things are approved. Oh, no, no, not at all. What, he's, what, what Paul is saying is, let me just explain something to you. Until you can learn how to dominate in your own home, until you can have dominion there, we can't even consider you So now, this is not an option. This has to be in every home. But if these are issues that you're dealing with, you have no business leading in the house of God. That's all he's saying. He's not giving a two-tiered system in in which men who want to live for the Lord and want to be used in his purpose have to live one way, and then there's these people who are saved, um, but they don't have to do any of those things. That's not even at all what he's saying. He's just implying that if you are going to be a man... This is what God expects in general. How can a man rule in the house of God if he doesn't have ownership or rule in his own home? Your family is not a democracy. Democracy is mob rule. We're not even a democracy as much as the left wants to pry on this all the time. We are a representative government. We're a representative democracy. Yes, your vote counts. You vote in, and uh, you know, your, your leaders and, and uh, people you want to represent you, and then they go and they pass laws and rule. But we don't have a direct democracy in this country, and your home cannot be a democracy. I'm gonna tell you why. You've got a problem right away. You always have a 50 50 tie. How do you make decisions in your home? How are you gonna make them? Say, hey, well, Carrie wants to do something, and I want to do something else. You vote, I vote. Well, we've got three kids, but I got two girls and one boy. I'm out. It just doesn't work out in my favor. Poor Dustin. He's got, whew, he got four against one. He's in trouble. No, that's not how it works at all. We have to understand that God has placed leadership. God has assigned dominion. And and we'll cover all of this. Don't get antsy, don't get nervous on me. But if we don't understand this at the very principle, then from now on, any time that, that a husband tries to lead in the direction that God intends for his home, the wife doesn't like it, then she just rises up and says, No, I'm not doing that. That forever is the function. Let me give you an example. And, and I, I don't want to get ahead, and I'm I really not intending to spend much time there, but let me give you an example. You're going through something, and, and, and you're struggling within the home. And maybe the husband says, listen, no, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to address this. This is how we're going to go forward in this, with, with this issue with people outside of the home. And you say, well, no, I'm not going to do that. You are in such direct violation of the Word of God. You've just stripped the function of what God placed over you as a covering out from, you cut the legs out from underneath what God designed. And I would assume, I'm not casting stones, but that's probably been the case in many homes. It's something that happens frequently. And you know how I know that? Because God says, and your desire to Eve, and your desire is going to be for the man. That doesn't mean she's going to have the hots for you. That's not it at all. In fact, all you married men know that's not the truth. Well, what that does mean is that she's going to desire to have dominion where you have dominion. And forever you are going to struggle in this. Problem is, we got a bunch of men who are not stepping up in all the other roles that God wants you to have dominion in. But then you decide, well, I'm going to put my foot down here. No we let the women do all the heavy lifting and then we're going to come in and we're going to clean up shop. No, we're not. No, no, no. This works on every facet. And that's why the more that we can exercise what God created us for, the easier the function of the home is. And we'll get to some more of that really later. That's just a taste, give you kind of something to be mad about for a couple of weeks. You are expected by God, men, to set standards, determine direction, correct behavior, and yes, even your wife. There are some issues that are present in your homes. There are issues that are present all over the church because there has been this Lack of leadership, lack of dominion by the man, and the woman begins... I see this happening in churches all over where men have not stood up. And, and a lot of old Pentecostal churches are full of old women. Where are the men? I walk into churches and I, and I see dysfunction. The first thing I notice with dysfunction almost always is a lack of men being present in the church. Why? Because that's not the dominion... I'm not, I'm not suggesting that if you, uh, you know, should I fall over dead tomorrow and Carrie has to continue to, to direct our children, she obviously would have to fulfill that role because I'm no longer present. I'm not suggesting that women are stupid and can't lead. That's not it at all. I'm talking about roles. Design. Remember, we, don't, we don't live in the weeds of exceptions. We live in the design of God for man. That's where we live. Everybody say Amen. But there are a lot, of, a lot of issues because the wife has had to set the spiritual course for your home. And now, trying to step up and take the role of leadership. And as soon as you try to put your foot down and you know, and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Hold on, buddy, where you been? <laughs> where you been for the last 20 years and now you want to come in and start start running roughshod over everything? Hold on here. I've been towing the lines. A lot of this, so let, let's start... Thinking about this in the light, just of our young men even, let's start putting into them, let's start making an example, modeling for them what this is supposed to look like so that they get in that marriage and they start out on a better foot than what some of us started out on. Amen? I want you to look at a couple of spots real quick here. And I'm, I'm working to word close. I, I, I am. But uh, Titus chapter 2 and verse 4 and 5 um, we can look at verse 3 even, that the aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not as false accusers, not given to wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, to be chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now, I'm going to tell you the truth. I frankly do not care who this offends. That's the word of God. Period. We don't want to deal with that because this is absolutely chauvinistic. You are to teach the young ones by your example... These things and part of these things is that you are to be obedient to your husband. So anytime you hear the clamoring within the world of women's lib and the, the liberation of you and your thoughts and I'm speaking to the women right now and, and all of that, you just understand it's absolutely antichrist. It's the antithesis of what God made you for. It is. First Peter chapter 3 covering these things because i don't want you to think that i'm just blowing this up likewise verse one you wives be in subjection to your own husbands if you are in the kingdom then you are a subject of the lord that's how it works likewise you wives be in subjection to your own husbands that if any obey not the word, that they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wife. Skip down to verse 5. After this manner, in the old time, the holy women also who trusted in God adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Even as Sarah obeyed Abraham calling him lord whose daughters are you as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement sarah called abraham lord is this i know we've heard a lot of teasing and i know it's been teasing but let's let's just ask the question is this a scripture that needs to be removed from the bible I need the women to give me a hearty no. It is not. So, then can we possibly understand that by her See, we got a lot we got a lot of women who want to support their husbands. All you women want to support your husbands. You want to encourage him in all of these things that he can do. You're better. You deserve more. Uh, They're not giving you enough. Uh, You're so much smarter than everybody else around you. No wife's ever said that. But hypothetically. But could it be that by Sarah calling him Lord, it was building him up for the purpose that God had designed him for? Could it be that Sarah's role in this was to help establish a domain in which he was to rule? Could it be that by her saying, Abraham, you are Lord, that they aligned in the function of what God designed them for, which enabled a baby to be born to her at 99 years old? Now, all of you women, without fear or amazement, all of you wives, I want you to look at your husbands right now and I want you to say, my Lord. <laughs> oh no, I am mean being it. Look at your husband. Tell him, my Lord. He's not your Lord of salvation. He's not the Savior of your soul. But your husband is your Lord. He's not the Lord of lords, He's just a Lord in the dominion of God in the rule of his kingdom. I've just got a little parish that I'm working over. But you can say this without fear. And that without fear means that for all of you women, you're not going to get pregnant in 99. (laughs) And thank the Lord. I know that was the fear. I mean, like, man, if I call him Lord, I might no, I can't do that. There's some things I can tolerate. I told Carrie, the last baby, I said, I can't handle pregnancy. It's way too hard on me. We got to, that's it. <laughs> the reason I know Brandon's right there. He can't do this again. It's too, way too hard on him. Without fear. You're not the Lord of my life, husband. But you are the Lord of this house. Well, don't do too much boasting, men. Let's not get, let's not get over the top here. We just opened it up, okay. So now we've made this statement: "You are the Lord of your home," and that just ugh, gonna puff your chest out. You're ready to do some stuff now, invigorated, yeah, because you're gonna need it. We have to take then from our Lord's example, and we've got to function as our Lord functions for us. That is to be our function for our wives. Am I making this up? Some of you don't know. <laughs> that's where we're going to go to scripture because you, I don't want to confuse you here. Ephesians, this is the last scripture and I'm, I'm closing. But Ephesians chapter five. I know, and, and again, you know, you can walk out of here and say, you know, I just disagree with you. Okay. Or you can take the challenge and just open up your scripture and let the Lord speak to you. And that's all I'm hoping out of this. I'm just presenting some thought here to you. Ephesians chapter five and verse 22. And this is yet another spot. We saw it in Titus. saw it in Timothy. We saw it in, uh, in Peter. And now we're going to find it in Ephesians. We're finding it by all the apostles in their writings. Now let's listen to this. We're going to read down to the end of this chapter. Wives, submit yourselves unto your husbands, your own husbands, as unto the Lord. I think this is the truth that we really need to think about. Submit to your own husbands as unto the Lord for the husband is the head of the wife. So am I going out? We now have Sarah calling Abraham Lord. Now Paul is telling the Ephesian church, the women there, that they need to submit themselves to their husbands as the Lord of them. Am I making that up? The same as they submit to the Lord is the same that they need to submit to their husband. That's what he says. So now I would say pretty clear in inference, Paul is saying that the husband is the Lord of that house. Okay, continue reading. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ... So let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Here's where it gets sticky for us guys. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it even as the Lord the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. That is powerful. Can you hear all of the verbiage? Now understanding Flesh of my flesh and bone of my bone. This is what he just described concerning Christ and the church. But what we are modeling, we are literally men, we are to model exactly what Christ has done for the church is exactly what we are to be to our homes. You are in fact a savior in your home. You are in fact able to lead your home out of the salvation of God by your direction. You are now, you are not responsible for the decisions and the and the results of your children, but it is your duty to act exactly as Christ acted for the church. It's what we're to do. Our Lord gave us examples. This is exactly how we are to do it. Jesus said, The Son of Man came not to serve, but, or not to be served, but to serve. Stop looking to your wife as your personal servant. God didn't give her to you to serve you. Because God, Jesus, didn't come to be served. He came to serve. He was always the one giving. He was always the one pouring out. He cherished his his disciples. He loved them. He stood up and defended them amongst the crowds. When it put them in danger, he got in between the danger and them. Yes, they came to difficulty and harm, but as long as he was on this earth, he stood between them. He made sure that the assault was at him. I think this is partly why he would tell them at times, hey, don't go tell them about me because you're just going to get blown up. They hate me. That's the problem. So you don't need to worry. I'll stand in between. I'll be the buffer. I'll be the one who stands up and makes sure you're okay. Jesus said, come unto me and I will give you rest. It's time for you to bear the weighty burdens of the home, men. Your wife is burdened and she's carrying a load. She's got a lot of stuff going on. She's trying to raise the kids and and take care of the babies and homeschool and and do all the stuff that's got to be done. It's not our job to come home and say, I'm tired, now it's time for you to serve me. I'm not suggesting, again, remember, I said that the woman's role is not the home, but her priority is the home. Obviously, if you're, women, and I don't have time to cover all this, but, you know, if you gotta, if you have the luxury and the blessing where God makes it, where you can stay home and raise the children, yeah, you need to, you need to probably be taking care of the stuff around the house. It's your job, if that's what you're gonna do, absolutely. Yeah, you probably should be be cooking some dinners, so when the, when the husband gets home and he's been out, killing it all day long that he's got something to eat yep you probably should get out of your pajamas and put some makeup on yes yes all these things are true but i'm talking about the role and the function of men jesus revealed the glory of god to the world we are to reveal the glory of god to our homes it's our job jesus stood in the face of danger and between the mobs and his disciples Jesus laid down his life for us. We may lay down our lives, burn out our bodies for our wives and our children. It's your job. It's what God made you for. But in all of this, Jesus never forgot the reason he was doing all of these things was because it was the pleasure of his father When you are looking and you are exhausted men and you feel like you can't take the challenge, it is the pleasure of the Father that we function in the role that he made us for. And I believe that when we do that, I, I, I really feel this way, that God is going to give us strength to fulfill the roles that we have to fulfill. All you men say amen. Yeah, I know there's times where it's hard. There's times where it's tiring. There's times where it's tough. But God made you for it. Let me reassure you. Now, how many of you want your wives to look at you and call you Lord? Means something different, huh? It was really scary for the wives. Oh, I don't know. If I, now it's really scary for the husbands. No, don't call me Lord. <laughs> no, I don't want that responsibility. Again, now listen. I'm closing. I'm done. I'm not. I'm not trying to, to spin off and make this bigger than what it is. But I think the picture is really clear that we are to function within this role of dominion and that we need to not be afraid to look at the Lord who is my Lord and say, okay, Lord, how do you want me to live as a Lord under you? I believe it's what the Lord would want for us. Amen? Amen. Pastor, why don't you close us out tonight?